He's James Collins. He is Alec Cranston. And this is the Matter Matter of Facts Podcast. The Matter of Facts Podcast brings you the unsung heroes, the unsung stories, news and happenings from across our wonderful city that you maybe thought happened but didn't quite know the truth behind. And get you all in the loop on what's going on, what's to come, and what can we be prepared for. Welcome to Matter of Fact, Season 2, Episode 7. Uh, super excited about this one. We have a tremendous guest on here today and a couple fun topics. Uh, happy to be here in the Podstarter studio. Beautiful studio, beautiful lighting, beautiful, beautiful LED people, light, beautiful, beautiful hosts, people, beautiful, beautiful hosts, hosts, producers, everybody top to bottom. We love it here. Um, I enjoy coming here every month. I'm here sitting next to my esteemed co-host, Mr. James Collins. Well, I appreciate it because you always use the word esteemed and it's never a word I would use. I would use sexy, handsome, refined. In my head, I use that. But I never esteemed. So I'm very grateful. Good, Good to be back. It's feels like winter out there. It really uh, is winter right freezing. now. Because in, in Atlantic Canada, we sort of pretend it isn't winter, the end of the year. We say, well, we don't get much snow this side of Christmas. And then, <laughs> uh, then you know, we really get into it. And I'm, I'm feeling it right now. It's been a rough few months, which we'll get to in a second. And uh, I'm feeling winter, aren't you? Incredibly so. Uh, it's funny, as a kid, I used to say, someone say, oh, what's your favorite season? I used to actually say winter. I don't know why the, the psychotic in me would say winter's my favorite season. I think it's because I like the backyard rinks and skating. Oh. But now that I don't do that anymore, um, I hate the, I hate the cold. I Because I coach hockey a lot, so it's going into the freezing rink and then coming out to... It's actually warmer inside the rink nowadays than it is outside. And that's a brutal, brutal awakening. Wow, to come this to. is the season where you store your vegetables and everything, you know, on the deck and your beer on the deck because it's colder. But you know what my favorite season is? What season is that? Season two. Hey, of the Matter of nice. Facts podcast. Oh, I can't believe we're episode seven already. Time is flying. Because that would be a total of, because we did 12, so that's nine, it's our 19th episode. Oh, we're almost gosh. at 20. I know, I'm just How have we not, we've never had along. a fight about the podcast, you and I. No, we've never we've, disagreed. We're on side with everything we do. We so go I, with the flow. I think we need some drama right now. We Next episode, some kind of bust up and uh, divide, and divide our listenership it. and see where the loyalty lays. Let's spend the next month finding a topic that you and I have polar opposite opinions on and are strongly opinionated on and then just go at it. Non-real estate related. Non-real estate related. Otherwise, we could get in a mesh of trouble. Yeah. Well, we'll we will go into insane as, as the crane. Before we do that, to take take things to a slightly somber level, we are joined in the studio today by Tucker, who was in this studio back in December, created havoc. We later learned he pooped in the kitchen here at Podstarter, <laughs> and everyone was too polite to tell us for a couple of days. Tucker was running around creating havoc. We lost Tucker last Tuesday. He'd been very ill since the start of the year. We we never really got to the bottom. I wrote a eulogy on LinkedIn, which beautiful. It's had forty five hundred views now, and I've had so many messages about it. And um, we kind of go through the story there. Tucker was uh, was a a thirteen year old Yorkie poo. We'd had him for twelve years. Wonderful dog. Didn't have children. He was the child. He fell sick quite suddenly the 2nd of January this year. We we never really got to the bottom. There was a heart failure, congestive heart failure diagnosis, uh, some bad bronchitis, and we were hoping to get him to the vet hospital in PEI last week for a kind of head-to-toe evaluation, and he just got too sick too quickly, and unfortunately, um, we had the vet come to the house last last Tuesday. So very sad, uh, very tough time for, for my wife and I, but... We have Tucker here in the studio with us today, the uh, the best little boy in the world, and and just not much I can say. I've cried myself dry, and that's all I will say about that. We love the guy, and we're pleased that he had made an appearance on the podcast. The the, the, the joke I'm getting to here, because Brits always need to cut through <laughs> uncomfortable stuff with a joke, is this is the time, if this was a really popular podcast, where we would say, and now we're going to roll Tucker's best of reel. But being a dog who can't speak English, it would just be sort of a minute and a half of growling and woofing. So we're not going to roll his best of uh, here on uh, Matter of Facts. But uh, we love you, buddy. Yeah, okay, on with always, the always be part of the Matter of Facts crew. And, and, and just to give Alex some kudos here, you know, we've been through a very tough time losing our, our first and only dog and, and child, essentially. And Alec here was great. He offered support. And, and so many people came out of the woodwork. But um, we expected you to, and you did, and you delivered. So your your kind messages there were... Uh, literally, we cried over them. So of thank course, you. Of course, of course. 
Of course. And now we will pivot. Now we've depressed everyone. In winter, <laughs> we will we will awkwardly come back to our first segment, which is what? I always forget what it's called. Insane as the crane. Insane as the crane. Insane as the crane. Kind of insane like the crane. Do you like snow? Do I like snow? I hate it. Well, there's been, uh, as of today, according to data from Halifax Airport, there has been 132.2 centimeters of uh, cumulative snow. Now, we've had a lot of snow, two major snowstorms this month already. It is officially the snowiest uh, February on record, three times the normal amount. Alec, it is your first winter as a homeowner. It is. Tell us how you've been adjusting to the shovel. It's been quite an adjustment um, because I kind of just think I, I when I was I was in apartments for five years, so I was just like I never had to worry about snow. We parked in the parking garage. I didn't have to do any snow removal. Not like you're gonna call the super up and say, "Hey, it's Alec in apartment you yeah. know, 53. Get up to my balcony. Just figured I'd uh, help you tomorrow at five a.m. Exactly. No, thank you. I already paid. I paid enough to live there. It's it was definitely an adjustment. I've gotten better into the routine of like I got to get up and I got to shovel right away kind of thing because I would I let it go the first time that first big snowfall we had. I was I kind of had the mentality like, well, we're snowed in. No one's going to come here. We're going to work here from home and then it'll melt or it'll go away. And I was wrong. People did come over and they couldn't get into our house because of how high up the snow was. So these I, are legit visitors, not like break-ins. No, legit like visitors. The break-ins, they they came up through the window. That's but the, good. Okay. the legit visitors came through the front and they couldn't get through. So I had to go and shovel and I shoveled it. And then our snowplow came, which is just a private contractor. So it's a little, it's just a little thing. And he just does a cow path and, but he pushed it all into our driveway again. I was leaving. I was in a rush to get to a showing and there was still snow. And I was like, I don't have time to do this. You have a private contract for your house no for the street oh for the street yeah for i the was street. just gonna call you an entitled yuppie if you no. were like oh yeah because i'm a big believer that if if, if you're uh, you can raise your hands above your head even if you're 90 you gotta shovel your oh yeah and it's I, one of the major calorie burns that every canadian is entitled to i should have and i got lazy and i was like you know what i gotta go i'm in a rush i got an suv winter tires and i just went and reversed over the hump got out of there but then i got into a habit of just oh i can get over the hump again 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 and then just never did anything with it. And it, it just froze over. You sound like a Tony Robbins in, inspirational speech. You can get over and that that's hump. That's what I kept doing. There is a hump on the driveway. You will reverse over it. You will feel the inspiration in your heart. You will put your foot on the gas and you will reverse over life's humps. And that's what I try to tell Jenna because I was okay with it. But then I watched her try and get out of the driveway for the first time since the storm. And she's going, whoa, 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 hitting it. And I was like, I'm in trouble. She Do is that noise again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And what was happening on the driveway? She was trying to get out of the back out of the driveway and she kept, she couldn't get over the hump. Like she wasn't giving it enough gas. She's trying to reverse and she can't get it out. Um, and so she was getting mad at me because I didn't shovel the little strip there. Um, she eventually was able to get over the hump. She got out of it. Um, and then she, she took off. So then I came out and I finished the job, but, uh, we're good now. Okay, good. Snow removal, of course, if you look at anything with a snowstorm in this part of the country, it, it tends to form the major debate. The municipality can never keep up. Mm. The snow budgets or removal budgets are always too small. Everyone, everyone complains about it. I've got one really bad, uh, bug to bear this year which is highway off ramps okay. so did Ooh. you travel much on the highways a little bit yeah yeah you know the issue there and, and i am uh in in awe and heavily respect our uh, our snow removal teams across hrm so this is nothing to do with them this is aimed at the policymakers at uh, city hall but the 102 for example which i need to use everywhere i go because it's right behind my house is was clear as anything it was like august on the 102 but the off ramps weren't done so i was consistently uh, you know, a legal speed limit of a no more than 100 kilometers an hour Fair. coming off the highway, hitting the off ramps, which were then basically like the Scotiabank Center on a Thursday night. Mm -hmm. So I would come off the highway, I would hit the uh, hit the ramp and then everything would start slipping and sliding and you realize they have not cleared the on and off ramps. So that's dangerous. Big so time. every day I was consistently texting my wife saying, be careful when you get off the, the highway because you're going to slip and slide and go crazy. So I don't know, e either don't do the highways so nobody nobody drives on them or do the whole thing, which includes the roads you use to get on and off the highway. So that, that was one of my little uh, little things this year. I, I made a bunch of notes here. We had to discuss Alex's first year snow, uh, shoveling snow, which hmm. we've done. I wanted to have a, ramp, uh, a rant about the off ramps uh, and on and off I ramps. I had an experience with that ramp. That, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was coming 
coming onto the McKay, and you know that little turnoff before he hit the McKay Bridge coming from Dartmouth, and you veer off because you want to go to Lower Sackville or Bedford, you go in a windmill. Yeah. That ramp right there was just nothing was done to it, and I drifted along it. Nothing was done to it, and I was going That's at a, bad at a decent speed. Nothing crazy for the viewers out there who we were, have never exceeded the speed. I would never, I would never exceed the speed limits. The posted speed limits are there for a reason. In fact, there was a debate online in the snow about you should not drive in the snow unless you can drive the speed limit, which is stupid because you always adjust your driving to the conditions, Absolutely. right? Um, we can, can we, uh, Sass Connor here, can we, uh, we can beep out profanity, right? Join us on the podcast. Oh, absolutely, gentlemen. We can beep out. Do you have that? You have that little beep thing. Yeah, bleeping is funny. Yeah, we'll actually just use that right there. Beep. If I was to use a really bad word that begins with F, that isn't fridge right now. There was a funny thing online. This is why I'm saying this. Uh, somebody put on Reddit that uh, when the snow fell last week, it's the day when Nova Scotians celebrate the annual "Why the f does anyone live here?" day, <laughs> and it always like that made me giggle. That'll be a nice bleep. I I have one morning every year coming from the UK where I didn't really see snow growing up where I'm I'm shoveling snow and I turn to my wife and I say and I'll say it again because we can uh, we like the beep sound why the f did we choose to live here I don't know why the f we chose to live here I just want to hear the beep sound are you, are you making them do the beep for you now yeah fuck there we go. Yeah, that was nice. Good. That was beautiful. Good. What else is on my snow removal rant list here? Oh yeah, uh, everybody going on on Reddit saying, "What are the roads like? What are the roads like? What are the roads like?" Or is this open? Is this open? Is this open? Well, if you've got Reddit, you got Google. Give them a call. Yeah. Give them a call. Hundred percent. Everyone's like, "Is Canadian Tire open right now?" You want Reddit redditors to go and figure it out and tell you? Just pick pick the phone up and call Canadian Tire. You want to know what uh, I take a little bit of a uh, what's the word words? Is it guilty pleasure? Um, I don't know, seeing people who either missed out on it or didn't listen or don't understand the winter parking ban oh, and gets, getting getting destroyed getting and getting snagged yeah. by it. And there was somebody on our street, again, I don't know who they are, so I'm not calling you out, relax. But they, It's John Smith at number 12. Ah, they left their car there and I just saw ticket after ticket after ticket. They have like three or four tickets. They ticket, I think, and I might be wrong, so fact check us and email us at halifaxpodcast at gmail.com if we're wrong. I believe it's every four hours the city can every re-ticket you. So, so if you do 12 hours, sorry, if you do 24 hours, you can be ticketed eight times. Nope, that's wrong. That's, that's bad <laughs> math. Six times, six nice times. Job. Everyone's laughing there. That's good. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a bereaved man. My the, brain isn't working. No, it's right okay. Now. And this person had covered it. Not only were they covered in parking tickets, they were covered in snow to the point where you could barely see the car anymore. Like this was after the big snowfall and they left it and then the next snowfall came and they were still there. It was so covered. I think whoever it was just gave up and said, you know what, this is it. Like I'm not moving this thing. It was in Wait till spring till it melts. Then pay the fines. Exactly. And then those are adding up, right? And then of course, if you don't pay within 45 days, it's $60 or whatever. I was literally walking into the studio thinking how nice it was when parking tickets were 25 bucks. And if I had to be somewhere in a pinch, I would think, screw it, I'll just leave my car and pay the 25 bucks. I didn't know they were $45. I got one they recently. They have gone up. Yeah. You got one? For the first time in a long time. I went to park downtown and for hockey boy. practice and just completely forgot to do the hotspot thing. On the well, $25 wasn't that much of a deterrent, really. 45 is. 45 is. This is the difference. I've already, mine's already been, oh, Jenna, sorry. Mine's already been jacked up to 60 for failure to pay. So, oh, Alec. I'll get it done. Or I'll go to court. It's 50% interest. I'll go to court and fight them. I've been watching suits a lot lately, so I could probably represent myself. One more thing to finish off here on the snow. This was a hilarious um, graphic that was doing the rounds online. Did you see this one, Alec? I'll just, just turn it to you there. Schools closed, please. Buses. Well, we'll read it. It's re actually, you, you can read it. So it's, uh, it's different entities and what they okay. say in, in the bad weather. It's a cool graphic. Schools closed. Police, please stay home. Buses, we're not driving. City, please don't drive. Uh, fire department, we're having a hard time getting to emergencies. Minimum wage bosses. So when are you coming in? Isn't that so true? Well, it's funny. It's like when we were, we were uh, the night of the storm, we didn't have any real, we, we didn't want to cook. We were being lazy. We were like, do you think one of those uh, delivery spots is open? And sure enough, they were. Yeah, so I feel sorry like, for those people. And when my Uber wife, driver Todd was going. Oh, well, so actually, I, I'll him. tell you now, I almost met Todd the other day. I was putting out of the gym downtown and... Um, oh, slight flex. Yeah, going to the gym. Yeah. Going, to, yeah, I was going to the gym. I'd just been, you know, doing my personal best on my deadlift. And <laughs> I uh, I pulled out and my oh. wife in the car went, Zalek! 
And I went, no, I said, that's a movie star. I said, Hugh Grant must be wow, in the area thank for you. something. And then we got close and I thought, no, that is Alec. So that we wound me. the window down and won't say what we said. We hurled a bit of abuse, uh, abuse at him, claimed, claimed we'd come to arrest him for an awful crime. And then I was surprised because Alec said, well, uh, Todd dropped me off. Now, it was a one-way street, but I was tempted to reverse back. He just, was in the car waiting. Just to I, say I hello to Todd. It's almost like this mysterious character that you still haven't seen in life, I don't think right? you know your father. I think your father left the family when you were a toddler, and this Todd is just this sort of fantastical Thinking man, man you created. Yeah. That's like, that reminds me of when we were talking about with Jenna that time about the cat, having a cat your whole life. It really was a footstool. And That's this, right. <laughs> so I, I love that one. Oh, no, sorry, honey. That was a footstool, black footstool we had for 13 years. You and I will be old enough, though, that that will be our reality one day. Oh, yeah. I'll be like, where's the iguana? And Jen will say, we've never had an iguana. I'll be like, yes, we did. He's called Terry. He lives in a tank in the bathroom. Sounds like you've thought this one out. Get oh, an iguana I'm not talking Terry. about my iguana fantasy. We'll tell you later. All right. Yeah, get into we'll that later, later on. Uh, we're gonna, so, so there's snow. So basically, the, the Coles notes of what we just discussed for the last 10 minutes is it snowed. And it's insane. And it's insane. And one thing that's always crazier than snow is Reddit. Halifax Reddit Ooh. is, you know, it's amazing free content for us. We just sit back for 30 days. We let that place fill up and then we just turn around and read it good yeah. content so let's go to reddit, reddit roundup, roundup. Haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences oh the reddit roundup uh i love this segment i don't think we'll ever get rid of this one unlike the new kids on the block that sucked. We did that like four times. <laughs> that, well, the problem with New Kids on the Block was I think two or three of the ones we did it and then two months later they closed for business. Yeah. Sorry to you businesses. Anyways, bad tracker right with that. Reddit Roundup. We have two Reddit threads today. One found by uh, Sir Jameis Collins and one found by myself. Um, this one was found by, I think this was found by James. It was uh, from, it's in the Reddit Halifax thread, uh, from Olive Hummus. What is the most unsettling place in Halifax? Stolen from the New Orleans subreddit. Kind of mm. all over the place there. I think we probably have fewer unsettling places in Halifax, but but as normal, it was a mix of very serious, sincere answers up against the sublime. Yeah. Uh, led at the top, and there was a really boring one about McNabb's Island I have no interest in reading, but the next one was Mumford Road Walmart. I love that one. It's so true. I grew up in the Mumford. I, well, I shouldn't say I grew up in the Mumford Road Walmart, uh, but I went to St. Agnes Junior High. At least you always had food. You always had clothes. You always had many convenience items at low prices. I did, and the prices are actually pretty decent. Anyways, yeah, I agree with that. The Mumford Road Walmart and that staircase that wraps down from up where McDonald's is and down nightmare fuel um, but that's definitely an unsettling place. Uh, from www six. How do they think of that name? Anyways, uh, Victoria General. The hospital, I couldn't agree more. I worked at the Victoria General for six or seven years. It stopped being unsettling as soon as you quit, ironically as, enough. As, it was you, Alec. It was me. I was unsettling. But it is true. It's like like this person says, flat event says it's like a creepy 50s hospital in a zombie movie, specifically at night, uh, the tunnels. So there are these underground tunnels that branch out to every building of the VG. And they're terrifying. You got like pipe and exhaust running along the walls, and it's, yeah, they're always really hot, aren't they? It's because, hot. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's it's dark. It feels dark at night because there's no natural light. But it's it, you can if you're the only one in the hallways, you can hear your echo, and they take you all over the place. Those are creepy, and they bring everybody, everything through there. Like, I think I don't know if they bring people th like patients through there, but I know they bring specimens and whatnot because they got to go to the lab. Um, but anyways, very creepy and unsettling spot that they had mentioned. Uh, any other ones you noticed on that? Yeah, there, there was a good one. There was a really good one. Ne near the top, if you sort by best, it was from user He Who Breaks Things. Of course, they had to acknowledge it. Sitting in a car being asked to try on gloves. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not... I, I, one of my staples when people visit Halifax is you take them onto the waterfront, you drive them to Peggy's Cove, and then on the way back, you tell them about Glove Guy. That's my favorite. We did it with one of our clients. Uh, my wife and I took a good good client of ours out uh, who, who's from out of province who dropped in last year and he arrived in a Glove Guy Virgin and by the time he left, he was making the Glove Guy jokes. Ooh. He was making He was them. making them by that point. And it had okay. only been like two days that he'd been here. He was like making all the inappropriate jokes. So yeah, so that was, uh, you know, one of the most unsettling places is, is Glove, uh, Glove Guy's car. And underneath- Not a bad car. He keeps it clean. Yeah, of course he does. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, bad. Yeah, never any germs. You've always got the gloves on. Yeah. Um, the user underneath said this subreddit, and I agree. 
I agree, it's probably the most unsettling bottom feeding place in the whole city is Halifax Reddit. Oh, 100%. Very unsettling. Uh, no boysenberry. Uh, 1108 said five fishermen's apparently haunted. We all know that. So that was, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, this is me being someone who's not lived here my whole life. That was the Titanic Morgue? It was. For Titanic victims, yeah. Titanic Morgue, okay. Um, oh, this person made a full list. Did you see that one? Cola, Cola Cool, Cola Cool. Oof, yes, so yeah, Cola that's cool, a heck of a one. Cola Cool Squared, the melted cannon from the explosion at Albro Lake and Pine Hill over in Dartmouth. The shaft of the Mont Blanc's anchor, uh, the five-sided mystery structure in Bears Lake, so oh, mystery, so mystery. so mystery, much structure. Uh, the old library, Coal Harbor Heritage Place, site of the old Halifax Poor Firm, essentially an asylum. I don't know where that is. I live in Coal Harbor, so I better take a look at that. The house of Alec Cranston. What's oh, the yeah. thing about that? Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Yeah, my, I haven't been in my attic yet. Haven't checked it out. Apparently, the the snow clearance on that driveway, the snow whoever's doing the snow really clearing bad. on that driveway. There's this hump the, supposedly that the locals can't get over. The with hump their can't, car. they can't get over the hump. They try and pull their car uh, over the hump and they can't do it. Ooh, CJ underscore H said the Shambhala 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 School. I'm sorry for pronouncing that wrong. Yeah, Shambhala. Shambhala. I played dodgeball there last night. I, this guy said I replaced their gym floor in 2008. The gym had been used to film Theodore the Tugboat and had once been used as a morgue. Are you kidding me? That's I, why Theodore always had that creepy quality about him. He, he's always up to something. Always smiling, isn't he? Anyways, that's a cool fact about Shambhala School. You got another one, James? Uh, I do. Um, and, and this is one that I can relate to. So this is Burnside. They said Burnside, Golden Mirable, Burnside After Dark. And as someone who's a, a complete sad act, who does a lot of work in Burnside, I do sometimes drive Burnside on a Sunday afternoon if I need to look at something. So yeah. uh, if I'm databasing or I need to grab some data, it's really hard to do that in the day. What's well, the difference between databasing and grabbing data? Databasing and grabbing data, you steal one, you generate the other. <laughs> um, the Sometimes it's just so busy in the day, I will actually go out on a Sunday and I'll mix it with a run to the grocery store and I'll burn through Burnside and I'll go and look at 10 buildings. Wow. Burnside's one of those places, it's either just clogged in the day or a complete ghost town. Let me see if there's anything. Oh, Brian McCabe. Brian McCabe. Uh, I think he's an NHL player. Oasis VLT room is an unsettling place. I, I agree. I've never won in the o Oasis VLT room, but shout out to my buddy Riley. Um, me and him have definitely logged some hours in there uh, playing you, you wild. Don't, you don't drink, right? No. What else is there? I nominate all of Bears Lake. It's a dystopian car-dependent wasteland. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Someone said, uh, oh, the Shambhala Meditation Center. What's up with Shambhala, man? Uh, Scotia Square parking lot. Yee. Yeah, I can see that because I get lost in in it every time I go. I actually ran to a meeting in uh, in the one of the tower tower building tower blocks there um, about three weeks ago, and I parked at Scotia Square. I had seven minutes until the meeting when I arrived, and I was still five minutes late because I was ending up on streets and I was trying to leave that place I didn't even know existed. I was ending up in buildings I didn't know existed. There was no. Uh, semblance of of a of a direct way to get out of my car into the goddamn office building above it. Really? So there's my rant done. Okay, yeah. so we we found there's some unsettling places in Halifax, and we, we can actually segue. You can, you go ahead uh, here. We good segue into the next Reddit topic. The next Reddit because it's kind of but sort, yeah. sort of things and places. This was it? found by me this morning. It's from uh, Work DNC Sheets. In your opinion, what lives up to the hype and what doesn't in Halifax? This can be anything like restaurants, events, neighborhoods, uh, etc. In uh, your opinion, what lives up to the hype and what doesn't in Halifax? That's a broad question. And, and the top comment I've got here from uh, A, A underscore asparagus. Hey, <laughs> asparagus. And, and this is the reason I'm mentioning this because I, I will talk about this now. Ferry ride on the top deck across the harbor. Best $2.75 spent, especially on a beautiful day. So. When I have folks come to Halifax, of which we have many, not being from here, friends, family, people coming over, there's a little like, kind of day that I do for them, which you start going out to Tim Hortons for breakfast, and then you go onto the waterfront, blah, blah, blah. I always include a trip to Dartmouth on the ferry. And if you just go to Dartmouth and come back, you can get the transfer ticket, so you only really pay one way. And I will tell you now, when I bring people to Halifax, and I always ask them at the end of the trip, like, what, what's some of the best stuff you did? And they've been on the Harbour Hopper, and they've been to Peggy's Cove, and everyone says, I loved that ferry ride over to Dartmouth. So I totally agree. For $2.75, okay. it is the most fun you can have clothed in this city. Yeah. I actually haven't been on it in a, in a while, now that I think about it. It's been a, been some time. I had to go for a ride. Uh, this one comes from Sufficient Zucchini. So does, reading about Glove Guy, lives up to the hype. <laughs> Doesn't live up to the hype, getting offered a ride from Glove Guy. 
It I, does. I can see the the disparity between the two of them. Yeah, I've never been offered a ride from Glove Guy. Um, I've offered to get in his, I, in his I car. I can stage it for you sometime. Just pull up. Really? I, I actually do have a new pair of gloves. I do have a new pair of gloves. Disappointingly warm. It's either it's too cold for the gloves or the gloves are just crap. I need a new pair. So if you can connect me with Glove Guy, that would be stupendous. Okay, stupendous no, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, Tig says, what does live up to the hype? Many things. What doesn't? The Chicken Burger. I will not disparage Ooh. a local business on this podcast other than to say... I may agree with that comment. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that one now. We don't want to tear them apart here. On, I, I won't. On podcast, I won't tear but apart. But I will either. tell you that um, uh, I have had many bad meals in my life all over the world. The chicken burger may or may not be on that list. You know, I I, um, I agree. Speaking of food, Johnny Bad Apple said, "Does live up to the height Midtown Tavern." Um. Somewhat agree. I love the Midtown. I spent a lot of time there uh, during the World Juniors, and but their food doesn't really do it for me. No offense, but their drinks do. Doesn't. Pizza Corner. It's a shell of its former glory. Agreed. People are way too obsessed about Pizza Corner. Uh, I do like Willie's. I like a nice poutine after a night out. But in terms of like the actual pizza itself, and there's these new, new pizza spots opening up. I don't know. I just don't think Pizza Corner has the hype that it... There's too much pizza in this city. Uh, this person here, uh, Special Honeydew 51, says the public gardens is a huge does, as in lives up to the hype. And I can tell you now, uh, the public gardens is one of my favorite places in Halifax. And when we had our old office on Spring Garden Road, and we were involved in a tough negotiation or a tough deal and things weren't really going to plan and it was a stressful day. One of my little therapeutic 30-minute uh, excursions was to throw my pen down, slam my door, and go and walk around the public gardens. And it was really nice. And they used to do nice. great hand-paddled ice cream in there as well. And if it's a warm day, you just strip down naked, you dive in the water. Oh, uh, that everyone was you. Looks, that, that you get arrested. You. It's, a, it's a good day. And um, I, I really do like the public gardens. So yeah, I can... Oh, nice. I got, I got one from the Ritz. The Ritz show. Put it on the Ritz. Uh, let me get that reference. He or she wrote the potholes and the lower deck. So I'm going to assume he means the potholes live up to the hype, which is true. Yeah. And the lower deck doesn't. They're, they're kind of not really potholes. They're more sort of, uh, what's craters? Craters. Yeah. Media you craters. Beat, you beat me they? to it. Just absolute um, craters. Uh, lower deck is overrated, in my opinion. That's a hot take. I think people are way too obsessed with it. The lines are crazy in the summer. To what? To stand in there, be shoulder to shoulder, barely move, hard to get a drink, loud music in your ears. It's the same thing over and over again. I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but I think the lower deck is extremely overrated. And in my opinion is if you're walking that far, you might as well keep going to the casino. It's right there. You can't win money at lower deck. Yelp review, one star. Yeah, there's me going. Now, listen, uh, lower deck holds a special place in my heart. Uh, we had our engagement party there, which was a surprise engagement party that I didn't, we didn't know was happening. On the, we, they, they had the second floor of the lower deck booked out for us. We thought we were just going to hang out. With, uh, your future brother-in-law emailed me. Yes. Yeah, we were in the valley that week, I believe, weekend. So I think that's the last time I ever got an invite to the lower deck. Or yeah. even, even the lower deck was in my life was when Mitch reached out. And because Mitch, Mitch, Mitch reached Mitch reached out. When, when Mitch reached out. Mitch reached when out. When Mitch reached out, yeah. And so that was... The last, and I loved, I loved it because we had the second photo of ourselves, and it wasn't packed. It was all friends. But when I go there in a regular like summer, and it's just packed, I don't know. Lower deck doesn't live up to the hype. You pay ten bucks to get in. It, it is what it is. That's not the casino. So you drive down Halifax. You look at the casinos billboards. It's a guy in a tux and a girl in a cocktail dress. Everybody's young and attractive. You show up at the casino. Everybody's wearing a fleece with a wolf on it, uh, <laughs> and, and they're literally hooked up to an oxygen tank. I can't so wait. To I, that and I kid fleece. you not. Last time I was at the casino, uh, there was a lady on a slot machine about three or four machines down, and she grabbed a member of staff when she came back and said, "Like, where's my father?" And this lady was about ninety. Ooh. And the the girl who worked there obviously knew her and was like, Mildred, like, you know, your father has been dead for 40 years. Like, that's the reality of the casino. Um, it's an interesting place. Bright bright lights and emphysema everywhere. <laughs> Jeez, man. I love and I love going. I love going to the casino. Uh, you could win big. Join the players club. Oh, and the buffet too. Everybody loves that buffet. I've never done a buffet. I oh, we are too young for the buffet, Alec. The rule is <laughs> under seventies are not entitled really? to go that to makes the casino sense why, buffet. That makes sense why it's just never really called. And then to when me. we're old enough, we'll spend six days with our aging spouse talking about the next buffet. Oh, it's gonna be so good. The meatloaf. <laughs> but the gravy was extra lumpy. Surf and turf. 
Live on this little surf and turf. If I was my mother-in-law, we were uh, we were over there on the weekend, and uh, we went up after uh, after losing Tucker for a couple of days and get out of the house. It got very quiet, obviously, very quickly in our house. And uh, she she turned to me at one point and said, "What is, what is the obsession with old people and meatloaf?" And she's <laughs> like, "People keep offering me meatloaf." Because my, my, you know, my mother-in-law, I love her to bits. She's not 25. Uh-huh. And she's like, everywhere I go in, in Florida, people are trying to offer me meatloaf. Meatloaf. We've got all this to look forward I to. I haven't had meatloaf in a long time. There's a lot of food. Like, a lot of these are restaurants. And I mean, listen, this is not my opinion. I'm just reading what this person said. Forward Falcon 3910. Does live up to the hype? Your father's mustache. I thought I was going to say does your mom. <laughs> <laughs> that would be clever. I'm going to add that in right now. My name is Crafty Steak 79. Um, your father's mustache lives up to the hype. I mean, it's good. I wouldn't say there's like a crazy amount of hype around it. Um, I like it during the summer for the rooftop patio. And I, I know uh, our colleague, Billy Billy Mack, loves it as well. Shout out, Bill. Um, doesn't live up to the hype. Cora's. Interesting. Uh, someone said Cora's is mid. Fruit is high price and tastes like it wasn't ripe. And the sausages were undercooked. I was going to say, let's have some sausages and some scrambled eggs swimming in a sea of watermelon juice like mm. i remember when i first came to canada the first morning i was in canada i went to cora's we, we came to halifax on my first ever trip uh, i hadn't even thought of moving here back then i was a pure tourist and we went to cora's and i remember being 19 years old so a little bit more of a fussy eater with a smaller palate and i was served a beautiful breakfast with toast and under everything was a sort of a layer of warm runny fruit juice that had le- leached out of the fruit on the plate so you know last time i oh. checked i didn't i don't like uh i don't like sausages eggs and toast with with mango juice on them so yeah it's it's thumbs down for cora's so we've sort of torn apart everybody there except ourselves so maybe you want to insult me I'll, I'll, I'll insult you you say something insult me where, where, where you, you're from you're from spryfield originally herring cove you're from spryfield wow you have an accent. Okay. So now <laughs> we're going to spin this into a much more positive podcast. We have a wonderful guest coming yes. on. We're going to be discussing the uh, the Juno Awards, which are being hosted here. I think by the time this podcast comes out, imminently, and uh, our guest has just walked in. So let's have a, let's have a chinwag. Let's do it. And we are back uh, with the, at the Matter of Facts podcast studio. We are here with our special guest today, Allegra Swanson from Music Nova Scotia. Allegra, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, a bit of a background on Allegra. So she is the executive director of Music Nova Scotia, the chair of the host committee for the Halifax 2024 Juno Awards, which is coming up in March, and the vice chair of the Creative Nova Scotia Leadership Council. Previously, Allegra was the manager of events at CARAS, which is the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, uh, and the Juno Awards, where she worked closely with the executive team to support the strategic direction of the organization, as well as managing the Alan Slate Juno Masterclass Artist Development Program. Prior to her work with CARAS, Allegra produced over 50 albums in her years running the award-winning record label of the Canadian Music Centre, where she was also director of communications. She helped produce the first annual sold-out seminar supporting women in music during Juno Week and works with the committee behind the Canadian Creative Industries Code of Conduct, helping to ensure safer spaces for artists during Juno Week and for 365 days of the year. Welcome, Allegra. Well, thank you for having me. Sorry that was so long. No, it's okay. The bio, we normally, we're just like, so John Smith is a cab driver. That's kind of the extent of what we typically have. We're not used to uh, to 20 lines here. Yes. No, that's well, good. The better, the better description, the, the better it is. Yeah, the better the interview's going to be. Exactly. So starting off, and before we get into the Junos, because that's one of our main topics today, and we're super excited about that coming to Halifax, uh, talking a bit about you personally and you've you've had quite a path to where you are now uh with many accomplishments along the way and and different titles what uh what stemmed your love for music and to to pursue a career in this in this field uh well i had parents who were involved in the arts and so they always were supportive of my direction and interest in music um always sang in choirs growing up i played the violin i found a bassoon at a convenience store while photocopying music one year in the summer and then decided to try and learn how to play it. And so I played bassoon in the band the next year. And so I just- favorite instrument. Of course, (laughs) of course. Um, So I just, uh, I kind of did a few things musically throughout high school. And then when it came time to choose what to do at university, my mom and dad were really supportive in just saying, you know what, try to do the thing you love most. And, you know, the worst case scenario is you find out you get there, you don't like it. And you can switch to something else, but try and follow your passion now 
and see where it takes you. And so I, I was shocked and delighted to get into McGill for voice and thought, you know, well, we'll see where it goes, but ended up sticking it out. And um, yeah, it's music is such an interesting career path. There really isn't one to any job. It's all over the place, but uh, it's it's been really fun. Yeah, like it's like there's no set, uh, you know, set direction. Everyone kind of has their own path in that. And it's so nice to be able to merge your passion with your career. I mean, we had uh, Matthew Gorman on who was who recommended we, we speak to you and he was telling us how he did a similar thing. Like his passion is in music, his career is law and he, he brought the two together. Um, so it's just, it's really cool to see. Are you telling me you didn't, you didn't grow up dreaming of commercial real estate one day? I didn't dream of it until I was told about it in 2020. Me too. I was like 27 before I even knew the industry existed. So. I had no idea. I, I very much am in awe and envious of people who can fuse the professional life with their passion. Because Alec and I, we we throw ourselves and dedicate ourselves uh, into what we do every day. But I will admit, I don't wake up on a Sunday morning and start reading leases for fun. You know, no. that's off time. So <laughs> I'm I'm heavily, um, you know, we always wish I'd taken a, a career path like that. And part of the reason we're here today, discuss the Junos. So when the uh, the venue is selected, the host city, you know, they don't just clap. Oh, kind of click their fingers and say Calgary. So what did Halifax have to go through? What's the process? How did we land with this selection? Well, it's interesting because my background when I worked at Karis um, and the Juno Awards was actually to be the team to help select the future host city. So for me, it was sort of interesting to be on the other side of it and know hopefully what they would be looking for to kind of ensure we're putting that in our bid for the Junos. Um, It's interesting because I think a lot of people are in our city and wondering why the Junos chose Halifax or vice versa, why we chose it. And I think one of the things, aside from all the tangible benefits of the excitement during Juno Week and everything it can provide for the artists, it also provides a lot for the city in terms of economic impact. So, you know, certainly I think the the province and the city have their own way of deciding how they want to bid on events and the benefit it can provide to the city from an economic impact standpoint, but also from the perspective of how it can attract visitors, how it can attract people choosing Halifax as a place to live. So, you know, being able to showcase the fact that we could secure the Junos and we are a city that can put on a cultural event of this magnitude is like a big thing for the city. So, um, you know, a group of people was assembled to put a bid together. Conversations had been happening actually pre-pandemic that was put on hold. Um, And uh, I was actually eight months pregnant and about to go on maternity leave. And they said, do you want to work on this bid with us? And of course, I couldn't say no because of my background. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, I was there with my two-week-old baby kind of editing the bid to get it submitted by September 13th. I still remember the date. Wow. And my daughter was born on the 17th of August. So it was um, it was a busy time. And uh, we found out, you know, within the coming months that we were one of the shortlisted cities. A few more questions back and forth. They came out for a visit and uh, and we were selected. And at that point, it turns from a group of people working on the bid to a host committee locally supporting Karis and the Junos to execute the project. Wow. And we this isn't our first time hosting either. We hosted back in 2006, I believe it was. Yeah, 2006. How old were you then, Alec? Nine. Nine, okay. Nine years old. <laughs> um, I think my mom... I was... I was- I was legal drinking age by then. I was not. I think my mom went, but I was uh, I was nine years old, so I had no idea what was happening. Um, how do you think, I mean, I know besides, besides the fact that it's nearly two decades ago, how do you think this Junos is going to differ from our first go around hosting the Junos? I mean, it's such a great question. I think like the Junos is a different property and we are a different city. You know, so I think those things are both really important to reconcile. Um, The Junos does such a great job of being able to capture emerging Canadian talent and showcasing who the next acts are going to be who are going to take, you know, Canada and the world by storm and also showcasing some of who those acts are now. So in 2006, you know, there were a lot of acts like Coldplay, um, Black Eyed Peas, Pamela Anderson was a host, you know, Pamela Anderson being a Canadian certainly is um, someone who could have hosted this year, you know, based on her reverence in the community right now. But um, I think that the the Junos as a whole has really done an incredible job in shifting focus to exclusively Canadian talent. And um, I think that that is a real benefit for us as a city where we can ensure that we're going to see our own artists and talent represented in a lot of flagship events that they have as well. So to me, um, you know, you'll, you'll have seen that Nelly Furtado's the host and Nelly Furtado's performing, the beaches are performing. Um, there are a lot of interesting award recipients, but 
for us, I, we're really excited about how it's a discovery festival for a lot of people. You know, the we're part of the team behind Juno Fest, and that's the two-day showcase that's happening across, you know, 10 different bars in HRM. And we have almost finished booking 100 acts for wow. that. And there's one wristband, and you can see all of these different spaces. Yeah. So I think that's one of the most exciting things is we know that there are going to be some famous people who are going to be getting up on stage and you know presenting some awards at the broadcast. But really, it's about so much discovery. And I don't know in 2006 how that was necessarily viewed, but I know that's how we're really excited to support it and the direction Karis wants to go to. So if we take that 18-year period, how has the music industry in Nova Scotia changed? It's two decades almost. It's a whole, well, multi-generation, it's generation. Th things have shifted. So are there any major trends, any major differences in that yeah, time? I think for, for me personally, you know, I've only lived here for three years. I moved in the pandemic to take this job. Um, and I have been really grateful to kind of learn how even just in the last five years, the industry has changed so much. So I think one of the things we want to do is we want to continue to support the music that was, you know, top of the charts in 2006, um, continues to support the way that people view Nova Scotia, potentially from an outsider's perspective as a place where um, we are traditional, like roots Celtic, that kind of trad music that is still hugely popular and has a great reverence. In fact, one of our nominees, Morgan Tony, this year from um, Nova Scotia is a Mi'kmaq fiddler and plays trad music. So it's still a huge part of who we are, but also there's there's so many other genres that are really coming up and sort of framing who this city is, one being hip hop, um, rap, R&B, also um, a lot of electronic and dance music. They're big talent that are calling Halifax home. And so it's Which interesting. you wouldn't expect, and that's, that's great. I mean, yeah. you know, and I think like that has been happening for a long time, like in North Preston, you know, and, and certainly other areas in our community from an African Nova Scotian black standpoint, there have been like the genre of music that has been growing for a long time. And it's that, you know, emerging talent across the entire city that is really what sets us apart from a lot of places in Canada is we have such a vast amount of emerging talent. And so what we're hoping to do specifically with the Junos is encourage some additional funding and legacy support for artists so that we can ensure that we are taking that talent pool and taking them from emerging to kind of that mid-career. Like, how can we set up the next generation of talent here in this region? But I think that's one of the major differences is just seeing that development of different genres, support still of the genres that we've always been known for, and um, showcasing some new talent. It's so great. I think we, and I have a list here, we have, I think, seven nominees that are from Nova Scotia for Juno Awards, including Matt Anderson, who I... Uh, I saw him live a long time ago in a church in PEI, uh, Malpac PEI, and it was unbelievable. It was one of the coolest things I've ever been to because my parents are big fans, but uh, that was really cool. So it's really cool to see the different nominations, electronic recording, blues album, uh, roots album, classic album, like just all these different categories. It's really cool to see that Nova Scotians are stepping up and, and nominated. So I hope they win. Um so how do you think this year's Junos will play a role in kind of going forward for the future of not just Halifax, but, but Nova Scotia, because there's other other concerts that are happening, like Ice Cube's going to Truro and these different ones where bigger names are kind of going to different towns and cities. Um, will kind of put us more on the map so that, you know, artists will add our cities to their tour dates. I think that um, it's a great question. Certainly there is an intention in taking a look at the strategy that makes a city a music city. And, you know, there is a UNESCO heritage designation that is being a music city, whether that's a direction we want to go or not, is something for, you know, the community to, to decide as a whole. But I think it comes to, you know, making it a livable city, making for artists, making it an affordable city, um, also making um, the fact that people are coming out here, as you're saying, um, something that is a chance for them to showcase their talent on a stage like the Scotiabank Centre, but also then kind of go to a few other cities on the way out. So rooting a tour out here is something, even with the Junos we're seeing, you know, wanting to ensure that we have other venues. So for me, from a Music Nova Scotia standpoint, what can we do to ensure that we're supporting our existing venues and helping to ensure that there is development that supports new venues being created? So with the Lighthouse Arts Centre, that mm -hmm. filled a gap that was certainly missing for a long time in order to have a venue that is bigger 
than, you know, a small and then not Rebecca Cohn. You know, yeah. there, there are so few venues in this city. So we want to do our part in ensuring that if an artist is coming to town, it's not just somebody at the Scotiabank Centre. But how can we have Charlotte Cardin with two sold out nights at Lighthouse, the beaches with two sold out nights? There's certainly development in that area. And as artists come in more to that space, we hope to see them having a positive experience as they would in this city yeah. and uh, continue to share that with, you know, their agents and encourage other folks to come out here too. Absolutely. And there's a lot of events and maybe most people do know, but I didn't until I looked into it a bit further when I was looking at getting tickets to the Junos was that it's not just one night. There's a, there's a big buildup and there's a lot of different events. There there's uh, events leading up the night before the night of the after party I saw there's a, there's a fan zone red carpet experience as well. Um, so what, what sort of events can people expect that the regular Haligonian can be a part of? They don't have to have special access. They can go buy a ticket and go to these special events leading up. Yeah, I think that's such a great question. And that's the thing I feel like I'm constantly trying to get out there all the time is this is not just for industry and this is not just a broadcast. Yeah. It is so much more than that. And because I used to work there, I really believe it. But then being in the industry now, it's just trying to encourage people to understand that as a fan, Yes, you can buy tickets to things, but there are also free events too. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. So, you know, first of all, obviously, junoawards.ca has your full event listing. But for folks who are interested in kind of how can I get through the door, the Thursday, um, there's a host committee kickoff event that we are announcing soon in detail, um, which is going to be a giant tent down by the waterfront, oh, you know, nice. and by the time this podcast comes out, I'm sure the news will be out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is a free event. You know, that oh, is nice. a, a chance for like over a thousand people to come out and, you know, really have a kickoff of let's set the tone for the week. Let's show the Junos and let's show, you know, the national eye of the music industry that's going to be on this city that we can turn out and support artists. So that's the first night. Um, there are panels, like there's one about stories from the studio that features producer and engineer nominees of the year speaking to anyone, students that's happening at the Halifax Public Library on the Thursday. Um, the main flagship events kind of throughout the weekend are the Songwriter Circle, um, which is, you know, known as the Jewel of Juno Week that happens and, you know, feature songwriters playing their songs, talking about them, all Juno nominees. That's at the Lighthouse. And the Juno Fest that I mentioned, two nights of music across 10 venues, and um, that's going from nine, in some cases, 9 p.m. till three in the morning mm. at certain there venues. You go. So that's going to be a vibe. Yep. Um, and then the uh, the interesting thing that happens on the Saturday is actually the opening night awards. Now, that is um, an industry gala, so that would probably not be for the public, but that's where actually like 35 awards are handed out. Um, so, you know, when you see the Academy Awards and you see previously on other yeah. nights, um, but that's that's kind of the main one because really, depending on the year, it's between seven and 10 awards that are given out at the actual Juno Awards. So really, that's where the base of the music industry- I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll gather okay, and celebrate. Um, additionally, of course, we have the honoring ceremony for the Indigenous community and showcasing, you know, um, Mi'kmaq traditions here and um, acknowledging our presence here in Chibuktuk. But then on the Sunday, the host committee for the first time is putting together an event um, that's called Celebration Sunday to honor the African Nova Scotian and Black community and the history within this region. Um, of course, you have the Juno Awards broadcast and the red carpet. And then for the first time this year, there's an after party that is open to public that's going to be at the Grafton Connor Complex or Ooh. the Dome, as we know. So <laughs> that's happening on... Uh, the fancier name for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, after the broadcast, which is 9 to 11 because we're here. Where are they doing the red carpet at? So the red carpet is going to be sort of outside of and into the convention center. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Is that open to the public or just how's that work? Yeah, I mean, TBD on that one, I think they're going to be, you know, rope and stanchion and folks watching. People always gather to watch VIP oh, yeah, arrivals. Definitely. And so there'll it be a space Depends how good the that. Zoom is on your, on your yeah, iPhone. And, and the camera, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah exactly. uh, I'll be down there. To, to sort of to, to wrap this uh, this up with an obvious question to end with, because it kind of asks about what happens after the Junos, uh, th there is a hope that there is a lasting economic impact on the city uh, or cultural uh, impact that that lives on beyond the event itself. Well, what are the expectations there? Is there anything that factors into planning? Um, what, what can Halifax expect to see when the red carpet's rolled up and the uh, the stage is disassembled? You know, hopefully that isn't the end of the Junos for Halifax. 
No, absolutely not. I'm so glad you asked. I mean, for me, that's the thing I'm personally most passionate about. When I moved out to Nova Scotia, that is a permanent move for me. I'm invested in seeing the industry develop and grow here. And as I mentioned earlier, wanting to see the advancement of artist careers from that emerging to maybe in a few years being the next Juno nominees again. So at Music Nova Scotia, how can we ensure that we're playing a role to continue to um, put the case of the Junos being this sort of linchpin for forward movement within the provincial and municipal governments and getting additional funding to support the Juno's legacy. And it's a chance for them to track and show their investment in this bid fee and the industry isn't just a weekend. It's about taking that opportunity and giving artists the tools for additional funding to make the most of that experience. And, you know, maybe they're going to get a new manager, maybe they're going to get an agent, maybe they're putting money towards a new project. Or for us, on the industry side, we're really lacking in the industry infrastructure here. And how can we encourage people through um, programs to get a mentorship going with someone new? It's actually something we've done with the host committee this year. We have a mentorship program that we created. So when people are coming into town for the Junos from outside of the region, they're partnering with local industry to be able to have a mentorship opportunity at, on the ground and then following because we really want to train but then also retain folks to stay here and continue to build the industry that's exciting awesome exciting stuff um, oh, we're very lucky city i think absolutely in, in many ways this, this being one of them absolutely and I, I do have one more question this one's from my mom because my mom's big into music she plays guitar she sings and i said i'll give me one question to ask oh it's not uh, a free ticket question because no, no no you're not getting tickets. we're going we're already going oh you're already going okay oh, yeah we got okay. i got our tickets for christmas we're excited um Blink twice if Shania Twain is doing a surprise performance. Oh God, I wish I knew. <laughs> My goodness. That that for me is the kind of thing that um, I think is so exciting. And they keep that from you too? Like who's Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we'll we'll maybe find out a day or two Closer before to, an announcement. Yeah. Um, but really that's the thing that I think I'm most excited about is to encourage folks when they come to town. All these people are staying in downtown Halifax. You know, you literally don't know who you're going to bump into at yeah. a bar late night. And that's one of the of things that, yeah. that the Junos is um, is really well known for, is just creating those moments that are unplanned. Um, that tent down by the waterfront is a great space to say, you never know who's going to show that's up. That's all. I love so that. So you need to get down. Is that because if she is, your mother's going to look forward to it more? Or if Shania Twain's performing, then now uh, we're going to skip. Oh, no, she loves it. Okay. More, did, did, more. She, did she go to the show here in Halifax? Uh, yeah, she did yeah. with with my fiance. Oh, yeah, that fan. was a great, great, great tour. I know a lot of people that went in Halifax and Moncton and, and loved it. So, yeah. so hang around at the tent is is what we're taking away from this. Come on down to the big tent. That Come is cool. Never know tent. what you'll see. Heated, heated tent. Oh, heated oh, tent. That's better. good. So, yeah, that's awesome because it's, it's one of the prop not problems, but like having a big event. Like for example, the World Juniors. Like before those came, we talked to Amy Walsh with uh, Hockey Nova Scotia and Ross Jefferson with Discover Halifax. And one of the key things is how do we involve there's only so many tickets to the event itself. So how do you involve the greater population and everything? I think that tent is a great idea and I hope it just, I'm going to go down to that for sure. That'd be a good time. Hope to see you there, James. I'll be there. I know you, you know will. You know me. And you I know me in culture. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Brits in general. Uh, exactly. If it's free, we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on today and, uh, and uh, it was a great conversation. We're super excited about the Junos. Yep. Super excited coming, to be going. Coming up fast. Coming up quick. Uh, March 24th. Am I correct? That's the big broadcast. But as we said, lots of events lots in the lead up. up leading so up let's to call that. it 20 to 24. Anything could happen anytime. Be there. Very excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Matter of Facts podcast. But you can get more of us. You can subscribe on any good podcast provider. You can follow us on Instagram at Matter of Facts Podcast. And for all that great feedback and abuse, you can send it by email to halifaxpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can always find James Collins and I on the internet. Please do get in touch and we look forward to seeing you next time.